Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Security Now is provided by AOL Radio at AOL.com slash podcasting. This is Security Now with Steve Gibson, episode 105 for August 16th, 2007, Leak Test. Security Now is brought to you by Astaro, makers of the Astaro Security Gateway, on the web at www.astaro.com. And by Nerds on Site, looking to grow your IT service business Find out how Nerds on Site can help. Visit IWantToBeANerd.com. Hey, it's time for Security Now, a chance to look at security in all its guises with a, the expert, Steve Gibson of GRC.com, now entering our third year of podcasting. That's right. Episode number 105, which is this one, is the first episode of year three of Security Now. And I understand we have some very good news to celebrate with. Yes, I have. I absolutely want to start off by thanking our listeners. It is clearly 100 percent their uh, I don't want to say fault, uh, but, you know, uh, their their work that has allowed us to take people's choice best science and technology podcast for this year um uh we don't know that what the numbers are that is by how much we won but but two weeks ago uh you know we we did a quick little special podcast leo when i realized that this this podcast awards was up and it was um overall it was up for 15 days they they the podcast award people report that 1.3 million unique people voted uh, during one hour, the busiest hour, um, twenty-two thousand one hundred and nine people voted. Wow! During, during a one-hour window, wow. the average person voted three times during that fifteen days. And of course, you know, multiple repeat voting was formally endorsed and allowed. So, you know, and I said, oh, you know, to our own listeners, vote often, vote <laughs> immediately, vote us. You know, every every twenty-four hours, you were able to log one more vote and. So as a consequence, and I'm sure this wouldn't have happened if it weren't for our listeners and and actually for us saying, hey, let's win it this year because we haven't for the last two. Uh, we got People's Choice Best Podcast for Science and Technology category. Congratulations, so, Steve. Uh, I wanna, you deserve it. Well, I'm I'm really happy with you know the feedback we get is so positive, and I just love it that we were able to ask our listeners for this and uh, and they came through well so. and i also like it that we didn't have to ask more than once we didn't have to beg and plead and <laughs> say please vote for us every show we forgot we only asked once so uh but that's good that's yeah, good. That was very so cool. you'll get your award at the uh, podcast and new media expo i presume yes in fact that's my my annual opportunity to hang out with elaine as you know our, our transcriber i hope that and i expect that she will be able to make the trek out from her wilderness hideout, wherever that is, with a satellite link that's always giving her a tr- trouble downloading our audio files. <laughs> that's but, you're not, but you're not going to be there this year. I, I, I can't make it this year, I'm sorry to say, but uh, I wish you all the best. Maybe well, now that, now that I, I know you're winning an award, I probably should come down at least on Friday. <laughs> I, the reason is it's, uh, it's over a weekend and I have to do the radio show. So, Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, and for me, it's a drive. For you're you, it's a, it's a round-trip flight right. problem. Right. So, yeah. I have to fly down. 
So I'm sorry I won't be there, but congratulations. I think that's fantastic. Well, I just, I, I, you know, when I saw that this was a possibility, it's like, oh, I want to win this. And so we have, thanks to our listeners. So I want to really thank them for that. Well done. Um, In other errata, uh, several people mentioned that I I don't know why. I, I mean, I don't even know what the capital of Australia is. The only, I think the only city i'm really even aware of is sydney so i just without even thinking i said it was the capital i don't even remember now what the context was but i know what it was we were talking about capture a different kind of capture which asked you knowledge and we were talking oh that's exactly what it yeah. was right yeah. and well and you and would have failed that I one <laughs> i said yes i said maybe not everyone knows that the capital of australia is Apparently sydney not. and sure enough it is you know i'm yes it's canberra canberra i didn't know that C-A-N- either I confess. c-a-n-b-e-r-r-a so there is a finer point on why knowledge-based captcha is probably not a good idea not if you want me to, you know, be able to access your website. <laughs> well, we'll know that from now on. That's wonderful. That's um, also, you may remember that I, in one of the, I'm not sure whether it was last week or the week before, I was excited to have discovered that that Microsoft's Card Space, their UI for um, um, for uh, single logon interface which was always in vista and it i I was excited to tell people that hey it it has appeared in my control panel under xp and i said as long as your your security patches are current you'll have it well turns out it's a little more involved than that it's a component of net which actually is to say that it's implemented in net as more and more apparent the things will be in the future because this is microsoft's you know new api initiative for windows and so it's only if you had gotten on the net bandwagon one way or another though they are the net components are optional uploads or downloads depending on which end you're standing on for for Windows Update, many times you'll download some new thing that requires the .NET components in order for it to run. So people may be already on that. But if you went looking for card space in your control panel and your patches are all current, you may have wondered and been disappointed that you don't have it. The reason you don't, if you didn't, is you probably don't have the .NET components. So you need to install those, and then card space will um, will appear, you know, after you've done sufficient number of of further updates. Part of .NET and, three, but but you right. know, I, I, it's funny because uh, I I have it and I ran it and I filled out a card and that was about it. There's there's <laughs> not much to do with it at this point. Yeah, Don't run out and download it just so you can get it. I mean, it's not. Yeah, we're we're definitely in that chicken and egg phase where people are waiting till it exists and they're not they're not going to, you know, it's not going to exist until enough people have it. So ultimately, I think it's a nice UI for you know, things like the uh, the, the open ID interface. So I'm I'm glad for that. Yeah. Um and here we are on Thursday the 16th, so it's worth pointing out that 2 days ago on uh, on the second Tuesday of the month, that is to say the 14th, um, Microsoft has dropped a bunch of security updates on us, all kinds of stuff. I think it's nine different updates. There's some serious problems in the XML core library support that they've got and, you know, and a scattering of other things. Also, in other news, uh, Symantec had a bunch of problems in their 
various security suites. There was one common control that they that all of the semantic security stuff use uh, that that had a remote execution vulnerability that was discovered. So you're going to want to make sure if you're a semantic user that you update that, but also certainly. Um, if you don't already have automatic updates running, you'll want to go grab this stuff from Microsoft uh, pretty soon because it was one of our, you know, a, a large month worth of uh, fixes that were available two days ago. Weren't there also uh, some Vista for the first time, some serious Vista flaws as well? Yes, actually, it's 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 a consequence of the fact that you know Vista is really just well it's more than a candy coder wrapping on top of xp but you know vista is built from xp in as much as most of vista is existing code so anything that's being found in xp that that shares a common code base with vista which will is to say you know almost everything that will be a problem too it is the case that we have seen instances where vista's heightened security and the evolution of of this tightening that Microsoft is doing has prevented code that is vulnerable and would otherwise also be vulnerable in Vista from actually being exploitable under Vista. But you're right. In this case, Leo, the exploits that were found probably on an XP platform did map into Vista. And so Vista's stuff is not, was not protecting people in that case. Hmm. Although, you know, I have to say, given that Vista has been out now seven months, um, it's been pretty reliable. We haven't seen a whole lot of critical flaws. Well, and I don't think we're going to, frankly. I think those days are over because we've got firewalls running. We have, you know, as soon as we went to Service Pack 2 and there and the XP firewall was running by default, that really, I mean, it forever changed the landscape of Windows vulnerabilities. Mm. Because it was, you know, Microsoft was saying, oh, anyone who sets up their, their network stack and, and, and turns on networking, they'll run across the, the wizard for turning your firewall on. And it's like, okay, that is to say in XP prior to Service Pack 2, it's like, okay, if that's true, why are all these XP systems having their ports exposed? I mean, that was the nature of all these problems that Windows kept having was that people were running XP without the personal firewall running, which, of course, you know, Microsoft finally got a clue with Service Pack 2 and said, okay, we just have to turn this on by default. Yeah. The moment they did that, the, everything changed. Now it really doesn't matter what nightmares you have in terms of like open ports and and services running because they're going to be behind the firewall. Now the problem and this is now what we're seeing in fact is this next generation of of you know you go get the problems yourself <laughs> by surfing to unsafe websites. Right. Right. Oh uh, well, it's a it's a you know that's what's interesting about this as as nasty as it is, it is always changing and that makes it kind of interesting and the I have to say I'm somewhat grudgingly impressed by the ingenuity of these bad guys. They just Keep coming at it. Well, that's a perfect segue to today's topic, Leo, because ingenuity of bad guys is is essentially what our listeners are going to really end up feeling when I when I wrap up a discussion of personal firewall leak tests, oh. which is our topic for the day. Well, we're going to get to that in just a second, but first a reminder: this show is brought to you, as always, by my good buddies. At Astaro, I, I am just getting so much great email from people who have tried Astaro, Steve, thanks to the ads that uh, they hear 
on security now and are really, really happy with it. And we're clarifying, you know, I know it's a little confusing maybe because I talk about how you can get it for free for non-commercial use. Uh, they are clarifying this, the system. It seems like, you know, you got to, it's not clear, but uh, they understand that and we're working on that. It's astaro.com is the website. If you are a non-commercial user and you want to try the free home user license, visit astaro.com slash security now. Now, let me tell you, 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 if you're in a business here or even if a home user, here's why you want to take a look at Astaro. It is a completely integrated set of security technologies, everything from soup to nuts, best of breed, both open source and commercial software that just protects you at every turn. Uh, it's a little box. I mean, it's kind of, it looks like a router. Uh, they're, they're different sizes depending on your size of your enterprise and so forth. By the way, you can try this free by calling a star. And I'm going to give you a number a sec- in a second. But look at the kinds of things you get. You get email security, anti-spam, anti-phishing, dual virus scans for email, uh, completely transparent SSL, uh, I'm sorry, uh, SMIME and PGP encryption that's done at the at the gateway. You get web filtering, content filtering, antivirus for the web, anti-spyware, instant messenger and peer-to-peer software control, and of course the usual network protection that you'd expect, a firewall, uh, intrusion protection. You get a remote access via VPN, via SSL VPN, uh, supporting IPsec L2TP over IPsec and PPTP tunneling with SSL. It's just, a, I mean, it is, I could go on and on. It is a complete solution Open source, reliable, robust, and you can try it free in your business by calling 877-4-ASTARO. 877, the number 4, A-S-T-A-R-O. And again, home users, it's free for non-commercial use at astaro.com slash security. Now, we thank security, uh, thanks uh, Astaro for their long-term and continued devoted support of security. Now, that, that shows you how much they care about security. They want you to know. And they want you to know about Astaro. A-S-T-A-R-O dot com. We thank them for their support. All right. I am uh, I am prepared to hear about how leaky my system is. <laughs> well, I, before I get into that, I did want to share a fun piece of email uh, that came into us with the subject, Spinrite really works. Uh, and <laughs> really? I'm only going to... No kidding. I'll be there. Uh, where have we heard that before? Spinrite works. Uh, I'll just give this guy's first name as Ken for reasons you'll you'll see here as I read this. He says, hi, Steve. I hope this is the right address for testimonials. If not, please forward this to Steve Gibson as I want to thank him personally. I've been a loyal listener of Security Now since episode one. Keep up the good work. I know it has opened my eyes to many different aspects of security. However, this email is meant to praise Spinrite. My father bought me a copy some time back, and I can thankfully say that personally, I haven't had an opportunity to use it except for regular maintenance scans. And of course, as we know, maintenance scans with Spinrite will very likely prevent him from ever needing to use it for recovery because it'll allow the, the Spinrite will work with the drive to allow the drive to discover problems before they become critical. And he says, however, I work for a company that has employees that travel in Canada and Ecuador who depend heavily on laptops for communications and data analysis. Well, Friday, an employee who was working in Ecuador Uh had his computer crash. It would not boot Windows no matter what he tried to do. The lovely unmountable boot volume being the error of choice. (laughs) 
says Ken. He says, I suspected a few bad sectors had developed on the hard drive, and when they ran some diagnostics, it only further confirmed my suspicions. Unfortunately, repair was not an option for a number of weeks, so I felt that Spinrite was our best and only, he says in parentheses with an exclamation point, option. I didn't have time to purchase a site license, and he says, parens, sorry, but after this, I had no trouble getting approval for it, exclamation point. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So I emailed my personal copy. That was, you know, the present from his dad. He says, I emailed my personal copy to them, to them with usage instructions. Well, they ran the software on the machine this morning, and about two hours later, I received an email from our employee from his now-booting computer. Oh, hallelujah. Thanks so much for making a wonderful product. Chalk up another win for Spinrite. And he says, if you choose to read my message on the podcast, please only use my first name, Prince, for security, of course. So he says, thanks again, and we'll just call him Ken. And That's thank nice. you for the report, That's Ken. Nice. I really appreciate the, that, uh, that neat testimonial. That's really great. That's really wonderful. I, ha- I okay. tell you, a lot of a lot of people love security uh, now, and a lot, and even more love Spinrite. So it's a nice combination. We're glad that uh, security or Spinrite allows you to do security now. I really am too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Leaking. So, leaking testing. Okay. First of all, a little bit of history because I don't know whether our listeners know it or not, but uh, I'm also the person who I guess coined the term leak test oh, really? because I wrote the first one that there ever was. Right. Um, Which is was, still your number one downloaded program, I think. Well, yes. In fact, that's one thing that, that I wanted to mention um, is, is it has always been the, the, the most downloaded tool we have, which, as, as our listeners will understand in a second, just sort of strikes me as being sort of bizarre because my leak test is dumb. I mean, it just it, it does what it does. But it's like, oh, my goodness. I mean, it's if the firewall can't pass mine, it has no business occupying any code on someone's computer. But I wrote it because once upon a time, there was only one firewall that did pass. That is to say, which did not leak in the simple way I was testing. But to make uh, – well, to, 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 to finish that a- aspect, leak test, this leak test version – I think it's at version 2 – because I made some changes a while back, it has been downloaded 6,715,096 times. Oh, that's amazing. So, that's and, amazing. And except for, you know, like, like for example, when the Windows Metafile thing surfaced uh, a year and a half ago, Leo, you know, at that point, then, then um, the mousetrap tool that I created to deal with that, that, you know, briefly floated to the top of our most of our most popular downloads, then it sort of sifted back down in the list and took its its rightful place, leak test resuming its number one position. What I noticed just now when I brought the page up, um, the, the free popular page sorts the, the freeware that, that GRC offers by popularity. For some reason at the moment, Wismo is in number oh. one place, but it must it could only be that someone somewhere wrote about right. Wismo, I think and we so mentioned it on uh, the show or something on the TV show. Ah, that that would do it. Show. So, yeah. so you know, so at the moment, it's it's outpacing leak test. It's it's seeing um, twelve hundred and eighty six downloads per day versus 
724 for leak test, but you know, Wismo will calm down again and leak test will once again be number one. But you'd like to tell people to stop downloading it. <laughs> well, I mean, people do, and I'm, I, if they want it, I'm glad that it's there. You know, it's, it's another one of my, it's, it's 25 K bytes in size. Well, there you but, go. But, he, yeah. but, but here's the story of, of, of leak tests. That is to say, the, you know, the very first leak test in the industry. I was, I was, Use, I was using Zone Alarm at the time when Zone Alarm was very new. It was out of beta, and it, and it existed. And the, the thing that Zone Alarm did was what something that many other firewalls at the time also did, which is you know that the whole reason Zone Alarm was cool was it gave you outbound protection. That is, you know, any firewall or a NAT router or even you know Windows XP firewall will provide protection against inbound packets because as 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 any listeners of security now will understand um the way that works is any unexpected packet that is a packet coming in that is not part of a connection that was initiated from the inside out those packets will simply be dropped well that's the way nat routers work as we know which is why the moment you put a nat router in front of your computer you know, things get a lot quieter on your network because there's all this nonsense, as I call it, Internet background radiation, IBR, uh, which is just junk packets floating around the Internet and old exploits that are scanning for still vulnerable computers and so forth. So, you know, the, the, the Internet's just now, unfortunately, in the last five years become full of this debris. So, so a personal firewall, like even the firewall that's, that's in XP, it'll block you from all that stuff. But the real point of personal firewalls as such, the reason that people still install additional firewalls, even when they've got, for example, XP's firewall built in, is they want to know who is sending data out. They want control over which applications are being permitted to use their internet connection. And you can argue that, you know, that's a really useful thing. I mean, the fact is, that is the way that I discovered the little bit of, of spyware which WinZip, the Windows version of WinZip installed on my machine. I'm sorry, PKZip. It was a Windows version of PKZip that installed that installed some spyware on my machine. When I was beta testing the very first version of Zone Alarm, it popped up a note and said, hey, tsadbot.exe wants permission to use your internet connection. And I'm like, uh, what? Who? I don't think so. And, you know, I, I'd permitted Eudora and IE and, and a couple other net-using utilities. So the whole idea was that the leak test, um, I'm sorry, that the, that the personal firewall was doing outbound protection and Symantex did and Norton's did and Sygates and um, I mean uh, uh, McAfee um, you know basically that was a feature that they were all boasting about and there was probably 15 of them around at the time however I became aware of the fact that only Zone Alarm was actually checking to see whether the application you had permitted to send data out of your computer was the one that was sending it. In other words, um, we all know that Internet Explorer's 
file name is iexplore.exe. So it turns out that fooling a an, any of the outbound blocking firewalls except Zone Alarm was as easy as a Trojan or any other malware renaming itself iexplore.exe, in which case it really was able to explore. You know, I, I mean, I, I explore was the right name. So all um, it was looking at is the process name, and 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 once the process name had been approved, it didn't matter who it was. Exactly, it was mm. just looking at the name of the executable that that was that was running, and and in fact, you could almost assume that iExplore.exe would be given permission, even if the if the person were, for example, a Firefox user. Well, that's a good probably, point. You just look at it and say, oh, Internet Explorer, I don't know why it's running, but I'm going to say okay. Well, or you need to use IE for, uh, you know, for some things, right, right. you know, Windows Update and, right. and so forth. So even if you're not using IE all the time, you've probably had an occasion to give it firewall permission. So anything was simply able to rename itself to any application that had been that had permission to to exit the firewall and no dialogues would pop up nothing would happen because the firewalls were just checking as you said the process name so when i when i realized that only zone alarm was actually doing i think it was an md5 they were doing as we know from our from our crypto series that that's a message digest they were actually checking they were running a, a cryptographic hash on the actual executable program to see if it's the same as it was when you permitted it. So, for example, if you said, yes, IE is able to use my Internet connection, at that point, it, the zone, zone alarm would take a snapshot of the executable's the executable code, uh, reducing it to a cryptographic hash, and it would store that along with a permission so that subsequently when a program got itself going and tried to use your Internet connection and it, and it was called IE, so it, um, Zone Alarm would look in its list of permitted executables, see that iExplore.exe was permitted, but then I'm sure what, the first thing it did was check the length, which would be a very fast thing to do, to verify that the length is the same, and if not, it would then do a it would generate a cryptographic hash and make sure that it matched the same file that had been originally given permission. So I mean, this was you know this is what you would expect, but it turns out not one other firewall did that. <laughs> so I wrote, you know, in a course of a few hours because it's a trivial tool, I wrote the very first leak test, which. It just said to people, um, look, try this. Um, uh, take any file you have and rename it to something that is permitted. Um, and in fact, the, the idea was that, that leak test itself, leak test was a very simple, benign, outbound tool. That, that, so the idea would be you would run leak test and up would pop a dialog box that would say, hey, um, uh, I'm leak test. Do you want to permit me to use your internet connection? And so, you know, there, there, basically, there were many different ways you could use this. But, but the idea was that it would, um, it was able to test whether your firewall was simply verifying the process name or not. Well, I got in trouble with Symantec. 
They called because they were upset <laughs> that dare I you had to test our software. <laughs> exactly. They were really annoyed dare with you. me. And, and they were saying, well, wait a minute. This is irresponsible. You've let everyone know. And it's but like, we don't work. <laughs> yeah, it, I said, this is not a, you know, a, a, a buffer overflow or overrun problem. This is a feature which was, you know, implemented with no thought at all to yeah. actually preventing its exploit. I said, I'm sorry you're upset. Let's see how quickly you can fix it. Well, what's cool is that, you know, with Shields up, GRC was enough on the map at the time, and the news of leak tests just went like wildfire through the Internet, everyone realizing how dumb their firewalls were if they weren't using Zone Alarm. I'm sure many people switched to Zone Alarm, or but I also know that within a very short time, every single other firewall fixed this problem, which is which is why I created leak test was I wanted to put, I wanted to demonstrate how trivial it was to bypass all other firewalls, so-called outbound protection. And in the process, bring immediate pressure on them to get this fixed, which, which it was a couple of weeks later, all of them had released updates, which added this very simple, you know, check the length, check the, the uh, message digest, you know, do a hash of the XE and make sure that it's solid. And, and, you know, so this very obvious way for Trojans to operate. Oh, and we did, we were aware of Trojans in the wild that were using this approach, just renaming themselves as a permitted application in order to function. So, so I, now was, I see why you say who needs leak test because every, that was an exact, easy fix and everybody's fixed it. Yes, exactly. I mean, and and what it's freaky to me that here we are, you know, five years later, and it's still the number one downloaded tool. Well, and, I think and people don't understand. Now that you've explained it, I think these people just don't understand that it's what it's testing and 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 why you don't need to test it anymore. Well, okay. So here's the cool thing, Leo. Is this was just the beginning of leak tests? There are now something like fifteen of them. All of them more useful and also much more powerful, many of them very clever. And what's, what does annoy me is, unfortunately, none of them have ever achieved enough real attention to cause firewalls to address them, meaning that even though, the, for example, there, there's a website, firewallleaktests.com, um, ma- maintains a list of all of these leak tests, talks about what they do and shows this this massive chart and I've got links by the way in in episode 105 show notes to 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 these things for people who are interested and concerned this this, this site does an inventory of all known firewalls and the well you know like mo- the, certainly the most popular firewalls I mean a huge list of of, of current contemporary for personal firewalls and shows what version um, was tested, cross-referenced by all these other leak tests, which show that right now these leak tests cut right through these personal firwalls that are that are saying they're blocking these problems, at, which are well known, hmm. and they haven't bothered to fix them. So, I mean, my my conscience every so often is pinged a little bit by this because I think, wow, you know, if 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 GRC were to 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 publicize these problems 
we might again be able to get those firewalls to get themselves up to speed because you know we have the the, the security oriented profile to to bring enough pressure on the likes of Symantec and McAfee and Sygate and on and on and on. Um, I mean, just all of the firewalls. I don't mean to single those guys out. They just come to mind because they're so popular. But to say, look, let's it's it's time now to fix these problems. But I want to run. I want to give our listeners a sense for the about how these other leak tests work, what they do, and essentially eh, a little bit of a sense of the futility of of this whole issue. Because the real issue is, and we've said this on the show so many times, but it's, it's you know it's always worth re- repeating because it's such a truism: is once something is in your machine, it's almost too late. Now, assuming that this something that malware mal thing that gets in your machine would trip an alarm on your personal firewall, then that's good. I mean, you know you know that it's there, and it's certainly better to know that it's there than not know that it's there. On the other hand, what are you going to do about it? Because these things are now virtually impossible to remove. They've, they sink their hooks so deeply into your machine. Many of them are very sneaky and 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 are really as i said they're they're they insinuate themselves at a level that that makes it just so difficult to to do anything other than roll back to a, a previous image and in fact even the um the the windows built in restore points are now being infected by malware so yeah. that that, so that system it can't be used so Okay, um, one firewall that, that does something which was obvious but was not initially being caught is called Too Leaky. Um, <laughs> and all it does is it uses a freshly launched instance of IE to send personal data out as parameters to the query, which is, you know, sort of clever. That is, we know, for example, that, if, that when you have a URL – and then you the URL finishes like .htm or whatever, and then you do a question mark. Anything following the question mark are are called parameters to the query, meaning that that the the browser stops parsing the URL at that point, so it's bringing up the page that is defined up to the question mark, but it it continues sending anything else after the question mark as part of the query. Well, if so if this is HTTP colon slash slash evil server in Russia uh, dot com slash random page dot HTM question mark, you know, your credit card number. Well, that's a problem. So the idea is that what two leaky does is it just it just launches IE and puts that 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 HTML parameter as um, uh, c- um, containing your data in the query, and out it goes. So, so the problem is that your your personal firewall may be set up so that it absolutely will not allow anything but IE to talk on the internet. But this uses IE, the wow. real IE, not a renamed IE, the real IE to make a query. And the moment that query is allowed out. Your personal information has escaped your control. Mm. So there's an example. There's another one which was 
um, actually written by a friend of GRC. Uh, he, uh, Robin uh, Keir hangs out in our news groups a lot. He's a super sharp security guy. He wrote um, also sort of following on the uh, on the the concept of leak test. He wrote one called Firehole. Um, meaning, you know, firewall hole. This demonstrates, and it was one of the very early demonstrations of something called pro- cross-process DLL injection. The idea in Windows is that back in the good old days when we didn't have security problems, you know, Microsoft was creating all kinds of features in the Windows API. One of the things you're able to do in Windows is you're able to use a debugger to reach across process boundaries that is out of its own debugging process into another process, and it's able to attach itself to that process. You're able then to to stop the threads of execution. So I basically stop what that you know that program from running, and and basically take it over, making the that the execution of that program go single step by step so you're able to watch it execute that's that that's what a contemporary debugger is able to do well one of the other things sort of in this in this mix of capabilities allows one process to to essentially inject a a DLL of its choosing into another process space and cause that DLL to run. Well, what that means is that, 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 that Robin's Firehole program, it just, it, it looks around and it sees, oh, look, um, servicehost.exe is running. Well, servicehost, for example, is where DNS queries come from. So many people see servicehost.exe popping up and asking for permission to use their firewall. All, all the time. All, the, All time. the time, yeah, exactly. And so, what what Robin does is he injects his own. It, now, in this case, it's not malicious, but in the case of malware, it would be. He injects a a, a small DLL into the serviced host XE process and runs it. Now, what happens is because the DLL, his own code, is running in the context of the that that service host.exe process which has permission the firewall see that is doing outbound blocking sees that it's service host.exe making an outbound query mm-hmm. and that's permitted mm-hmm. and so basically you you've you've broken out the, you know the malware is broken out of its own process space by injecting code into in into another process there's also one called Yalta, Y-A-L-T-A, which is an acronym for Yet Another Leak Test Application. <laughs> but a good acronym. I like it. It's a good acronym. Yeah. Uh, uh, PC Audit is another that also uses cross-process DLL injection. Um, there, there's one called AWFT. It uses – it injects a thread into an existing running copy of a web browser like like IE or even into Windows Explorer. That's another thing you're able to do using the Windows API. You're actually able to just to inject a thread of execution, not even not 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 requiring a whole DLL. You're actually able to take a chunk of memory and map that memory in into an unused area of another process 
and then tell that memory to start executing a new thread of execution in that memory mm. in order to get something to work. Um, there's another one called Thermite that's also a thread injector. Um, and there's one called Copycat that uses code injection without thread creation because some firewalls were, were becoming sensitized to the idea of threads being created by other processes. So they blocked that, but some guy said, okay, I can get around that. So he writes Copycat, which basically it borrows an existing thread from the application. Basically, wow. it, like a debugger, it stops that thread, notes where it was, saves the thread's registers and its so-called context, moves the thread over to its own code, runs that thread on its code, thus avoiding the need to create a new thread, then puts the thread back where it was and says, okay, go on about your business. Unbelievable. So, I mean, so these are the kinds of things that are being done. There's even one called MB Test, which uses the WinPCAP drivers that I referred to a couple of weeks ago. Very popular sort of raw packet um, monitoring and injection software, which is is has been developed over the years, it it, is, it installs that down in the network stack below the firewall in order to bypass the whole process. It just puts its own driver in the system. Meanwhile, the firewall is sitting there, you know, everything's fine. It's all exactly good. watching all the traffic going by in the IP stack, not but not being installed low enough in the system and not doing anything to explicitly block that. How common is that uh, exploit? Um, it it was mostly done as as a proof of of concept. You need to big a, bring along a bunch of drivers it's and pretty, for pretty example, sophisticated. Yes, a non-admin cannot install this driver ah. on the fly. So it would need to do a privilege escalation exploit in order to escalate its privileges to admin level. Then it would be able to install this driver on the fly. But the driver is actually very well behaved, and it's, it's a beautifully written driver. So, so again, it, it takes advantage of that yeah. and just, just does something that the firewall was not set up to expect. Amazing. There's one called WBreaker, which uses Windows Explorer to launch Internet Explorer – or the command to launch Explorer, which then launches Internet Explorer. Huh. The reason this chaining occurs, it's one of the things that firewalls do, is look to see who is launching a permitted application. Because notice that, remember earlier, we, we, we talked about a piece of malware would be launching IE and using it to send its information out. So... Again, the firewall said, oh, we can fix that. Some of them did. And, and then the, the leak testing guys who just said, okay, we can get around that, will use Windows Explorer to launch Internet Explorer because that's normally what does launch Internet Explorer is Windows Explorer. So that got around another set of firewalls that thought they had been tricky in preventing that. It's like, uh, nope, we, we bypassed that. Um, there's there's a second version of PC Audit that uses uh, because after some firewalls blocked PC Audit, which is one of those that uses cross process DLL injection, the guy said, "Okay, I can get around that," and so he did with PC Audit two. Um, there are there is one called DNS Test, which is very clever. It uses the DNS client service, which is called ServiceHost.exe. It's one of the many things that ServiceHost.exe hosts is the dns client service well your computer has to be able to make dns queries 
because that's what it's doing all the time. You, you, you go www.anything.com and your computer needs to look up the IP for that. Well, it turns out that you could make a bogus query which contained, for example, someone's credit card number as the URL domain that you're looking up. And if it was set up right, it could be, for example, credit card number dot malwareareus.ru. And what happened would be malware, if, 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 if the site malwareareus.ru were running their own DNS server, they would receive the query for the machine name within that domain, which is your credit card number. And for that matter, any other information that they want to tack on there, because it could be credit card number dot expiration date dot, you know, uh, you know, residential address information or, or, or billing address dot, 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 Hmm. and send out a long DNS query that is your personal information. And Windows doesn't know the difference. It thinks that's a valid URL, and it cl- it slides right out through a DNS query. Unbelievable. Wow. There's, there's, so there's no way to block something like that. No, I mean, they, you, you would have to literally filter DNS and make some sort of heuristic decision about whether this looks reasonable or not. Is that something that you want to allow to happen or not? Right. And I mean, and the list goes on. So, I mean, there, there's, there's something called Surfer. There's Breakout version 1 and version 2. There's something called Jumper. Oh, get this. Jumper, for example, it, there, there's a registry entry called App Init. App Init registry entry allows DLLs to be registered for automatic loading by Windows. Well, now there are there are reasons that would be useful. For example, there are core DLLs in the system like kernel DLL, user 32 DLL, GDI 32 DLL, and those are those are fundamental parts of Windows. Well, Microsoft thought, thought well, what if so- something comes along in the future that's another DLL that we just want any program to have access to? <laughs> so, so literally, there's a registry entry called AppInit where you anyone who wants to can can add random DLLs to that, oh. and every time an application is is initialized, Windows will dutifully look the, up the, the the list of DLLs in that registry key and load all those DLLs into that application space. Well, malware says, "Hey, what a cool thing! Let's just register ourselves, and the next time an, an XE starts, we'll get our DLL loaded, hmm. and it and that works." Unbelievable. So, I mean, it it really is just phenomenal that that essentially there are this many ways, known ways for for malware to right now today get past every single personal firewall out there. I will I will have the link in our show notes to this chart. People can look up their firewall and see which of these exploits have even today never been handled despite the fact that all firewall makers know they exist it you know it's very well known this site gets pressed from time to time but never enough to force the firewall makers to fix the problem and you know their their argument is that some of these things are outside the purview of a firewall they're more what's called hips hips which stands for host-based intrusion protection systems. 
where where you, it's the idea is something is in your system and is taking advantage, malicious advantage of features of the operating system for its own malicious purposes. Well, there are non-firewall HIPS management tools, which, for for example, attempt to prevent these sorts of cross-process vulnerabilities from being exploited, basically by by hooking and filtering the API the API themselves and and verifying whether applications have a right to do this. And it's worth noting that this is one area where Vista has really moved forward. They have this notion of, of, of a protected application, which is essentially beginning finally to put barriers around sensitive applications like your email application and like your, your browser and and preventing their exploitation by other processes. And in fact, we discussed this when we were talking about all of the additional um, DRM features that Vista has because that whole protected video and audio subsystem, it needs to protect itself from being, for example, debugged by debuggers who are going in and like and rifling through memory to, fi- to, to, to find the uh, HD DVD decryption keys. Right. But I guess the point is that um, it's, it's – I, I don't mean to raise a lot of alarm on behalf of our listeners in our listeners' minds, but the fact is w- almost without – I think without a single exception, when I looked last, which was only a few weeks ago, there was no single firewall – that was invulnerable to all of these known exploits. So Meaning, the leak test is kind of pointless. Well, yes, that's the problem, is that we have a fundamentally insecure operating system yeah. in Windows, and and you might argue that other operating systems that have not really rigorously maintained security as their number one focus, they may similarly have become lax in various ways. You You could... You could forgive Microsoft in the case of Windows for this because once upon a time, security wasn't an issue. You know, Windows machines were not on the Internet. There was no Internet. And, and so what Microsoft's developers did was they said, wow, wouldn't it be handy if we could just run DLLs that we want to every time something, uh, a process starts up? Oh, yeah, let's add Appinit to the registry and it'll do that. Or wouldn't it, wouldn't it be cool if we could, you know, we want to be able to debug any program in the system, not one that's like asking for us to debug it. So let's just allow a debugger, which is to say any running program in Windows, to reach across into another process and take over its threads. Hmm. Oh, wouldn't that be handy? So, I mean, these things are very handy from a developer standpoint, and they're, you know, your, your worst nightmare when you're trying to contain processes and you want malware that gets into your system not to be able to really mess things up. The fact is Windows is is insecure and you might argue insecurable at this point because – and this is what Microsoft fears – if they lock it down too tight, it will break things. And Microsoft never wants to break anything. Right, right, right. So is, are you saying that there's no point in doing a leak test anymore? Well, it's why I have not taken the trouble to update mine. You just because can't you, test enough. 
Well, yeah, you get into that virus, antivirus, spyware, anti-spiral mm-hmm. wear mode mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, yes, I could write like, you know, leak test three or super leak test or leak test pro or whatever you want to call it that like does all these things, you know, does everything I can think of. The problem is there's still going to be other ways to bypass a personal firewall. Right. I mean, it's just, it's it's spy versus spy at that point. It's something in your system, and because of the nature of Windows, there really isn't enough protection in the system to prevent malware from just doing what it wants to. Right. Very interesting stuff. Um, I guess that, does it, does uh, my then my sense is if you can't test for leaks... A software-based firewall is kind of essentially worthless. Well, you know, we don't want to say that because it's certainly the case that if you get a really good firewall, which has taken the trouble to block many of these known exploits, then certainly it's the case that malware that is using those will be blocked. Hopefully, it raises an alert on your screen saying, whoa, something is trying to inject a thread over in Internet Explorer. Uh, Here's the process name. You need to go find out what that is. Right, right. So, I mean, and this, of course, is this, this is what Zone Alarm did for me when I was using the very first version in beta, was it said, hey, tsadbot.exe wants to use your Internet connection. Does sound like, does sound like though that hackers uh, and bad guys are well aware of this, and uh, if they want to, they can get around it. Yes, well, I mean, for example, just issuing a DNS query that sends data out as the DNS query—that's <laughs> very clever. You can't block that because DNS queries have to work. I guess you could parse them somehow, but even that wouldn't work because you don't know what their uh, URL is going to look like. Yep, and they and, and again, they could also easily like you know add. ASCII 20 to every character or rotate the character so that it no longer looked like, you know, to perform a simple encryption of your credit card number, turning it into other letters and characters. And so it wouldn't even, it would no longer match. Right. You know, I mean, I've, I've seen these, these, these firewalls. I just sort of shake my head there and say, oh, enter in your personal information and we're going to make we'll sure. <laughs> exactly. We're going to look for it on its way out. Well. And it's like, okay, all you have to do is add one to every character and it j- turns it into gibberish that then passes right through that filter. So, I mean, that doesn't do you any good. Although, on the other hand, I mean, you could make that argument against about any security software. Is of course, once the software is out there and, and, and bad guys see what it's doing, they can t- write around it. And so that is that escalating, that's that vicious uh, circle that you've been talking about. It just- yeah, it really does. And, I mean, again, what you want is you want to prevent stuff from getting into your machine now that we've got firewalls up we've got routers in place we know that random buffer overflows that have existed and probably still do in in all versions of windows those are not remotely exploitable because incoming unsolicited packets are dropped now the problem is as we've said it's Things like scripting exploits. The fact, for example, that Microsoft ActiveX controls can be instantiated by IE and and run code in a way that is unsafe. The way that happens is you've got scripting on your browser. You visit a malicious site. Apparently, it's happening to people all the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would say the 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 attack surface, as the term is, 
is much reduced in Windows so that we're no longer seeing code red worms, you know, just literally exploding across the Internet in a few hours. That's not happening. But hackers are using everything at their disposal to still get into people's machines by having the, essentially themselves invited into the machines. And once they're... I mean, as these links on the show on on this on the uh, show notes page demonstrate, there are ways around every out outbound through every firewall. Which is not to say having a firewall there that's doing the best job it can is still not better protection than none at all. It certainly is. Yeah. But um, I don't I don't run one. <laughs> I'll tell you what I run. I run that as Star Gateway. That's what I run. And I just cross my fingers. But, you know, I have to say, I mean, I haven't been bit. I think a lot of it is in a long time. I mean, it's been years since I've had a even a spyware infestation. I'm sure that's true for you. And I think so. A lot of it really is user behavior and how yes. you use your computer, what you do on the Internet. Yes, it is absolutely a matter of recognizing and appreciating the dangers, as certainly our listeners do, and and moderating your behavior so that that you're doing. I mean, that, that you're acting safe. I, I have to say, Leo. I mean, there have been situations where where I have known I was going to be exposing myself to trouble, but I had to go somewhere unsafe. I did it on. And essentially an expendable machine, as sure enough, this thing downloaded a bunch of junk in, and I saw services starting wow. up. And, I mean, it was so obvious to me that I'd just done something really wrong, but I had to go where I needed to go. In in this case, you know, I mean, I, I used essentially a, a, a Typhoid Mary machine that was, you know, my disposable image, and then I re-imaged it afterwards after getting done what I had to get done. That's another uh, good thing. Anybody who listens to security now probably should have a uh, operating system image that's clean, known clean, and uh, can be quickly reinstalled and keep that up to date. That's a very handy tool in this kind of fight. Well, of course, and a true uh, virtual machine that, that is that's a, a great way to go. It's yeah. a safe place to play. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate. I mean, it's the people who get bit by this the most are the least sophisticated users, and those are the ones who are buying PCs that don't come with Windows install disks. Uh, they don't know about making images. They're the ones that are going to get bit, and they're the ones who are the least prepared for it, frankly. It's right. like, anybody who listens to this show, I think it's probably safe, but there you go. Yep. Great uh, discussion. Thank you so much, Steve. Uh, I want to thank, too, uh, the folks at Nerds on Site. Hey, this is kind of an interesting synergy going on here uh, between Nerds on Site and our other sponsor, Astaro Corporation. Nerds on Site is announcing that they've partnered with Astaro. Now, of course, they're vendor neutral, but they've Partner with Astaro as a leading maker of network security uh, hardware, the, the, the Astaro Security Gateway. And now Nerds on Site is an Astar authorized Astaro solution provider. So as a Nerds on Site member, you get all Astaro products and services, and you get uh, training. They have free Astaro certified administrator and Astaro certified engineer training. Uh, this is just so great. In fact, it's interesting because we got an email from Andy Laron who's <laughs> titled Professional Nerd. He's with the Nerds on Site in Kingston, Ontario. And he says, uh, we believe network security gateways like Astaro will soon be as ubiquitous as routers are today. And I think he might be right. Uh, that even for home users, we're going to be saying, you know, get a router, but get a router that has, it's a security gateway. You know, it's more than just a router. So they want to be uh, in position. Nerds on site is kind of an interesting company. Uh, they, they basically support people who are independent contractors. You're still in business for yourself. You're just not by yourself. 
They support you with all the business-related tools to make your job better. They've got a license for Spinrite as well as a Starro. You, you focus on your passion, not the burdens of running on a, a business. Now, they're looking for more nerds. There's worldwide, Canada, U.S., Mexico, England, Australia, South Africa, Bolivia. You've probably seen them going, going around in those little cute little red nerd mobiles, the, the Volkswagen Bugs. Uh, they're looking for nerds with competencies everywhere from PC and Mac to Cisco and Oracle, fix-it technicians, website designers, program programmers, project managers, even sales folks, trainers, security experts, the works. They've got a University of Nerdology. You can learn Astaro, but also systems architecture design, software development. You really, this is for professional development to help you run your business, to make more money, to be more successful. It is a great way to go. All you got to do is go to the website, IWantToBeANerd.com. No salesman will call. No commitment necessary. Just register for a nerds-only meeting in your area today. I think they do them with a go-to-meeting, so you don't even have to leave your home or your office. So it makes it very easy for you. At least I know some of them are that, are that way. I want to be a nerd.com. Now joining with a Starro for even more value. I just love that. I don't know. I, it must be because of their relationship with, with us, but I just think that's so great. Couldn't be happier. I want to be a nerd.com. Thank you so much for your support. Nerds on site. Uh, well, let me remind you that the place to go for uh, all of your security software and even leak tests, should you decide to buy it or download it for free, I should say, is grc.com. That's also where you'll find 16 kilobit versions of this show for the bandwidth impaired. Elaine's great transcriptions, so you can read along as you listen. And uh, Steve's many free security programs besides leak test, Wismo, Shoot the Messenger, Decombobulator, and of course, Shields Up. It's tested over 40 million PCs. That's an amazing number. Yeah, I um, I think we're at. I don't remember now what the number is. I I, I look every so often. So, and again, I just want to say one more final thanks to our listeners for for uh, coming to uh, the call uh, <laughs> and, and voting for this podcast, Security Now, as the, the best no- technology and science voice. podcast in the world, ladies and gentlemen. And you're uh, listening to it. Isn't that great? I love it. Nice feeling to uh, to get that. Thank you very much to all the voters and to the uh, podcastawards.com for giving us that award. And for Steve, doing I, it. yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really they, they this is I think their third or fourth year that they've done this and it's just a it's important I think to do this to to acknowledge all the hard work people put into uh, their podcasts uh, or netcasts as we call them. Yep. Hey, thanks Steve. We'll see you next week. Will be our mailbag episode. Yep. Get your cards and letters in, folks. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on Security Now. Security Now.